Today, we're talking with nutritionist and pro triathlete Kim Schwabenbauer about the importance of a nutritional assessment for runners, as well as tips for enjoying the holiday season without guilt. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running, even if you've been injured. Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, I'm really excited to bring Kim Schwabenbauer onto the show to share her expertise about nutrition and what it takes to fuel athletes in training and racing and recovery. And Kim is a longtime athlete. She ran cross country in high school. She was team captain of both her cross country and track teams at uh, Penn State. She's been doing triathlons for over 10 years and she's won lots and lots of races. She was amateur champion at Ironman Cozumel and Lake Placid. And she's even raced to the Ironman World Championships in Kona four times. And she is fast, fast, fast. She actually ran a 301 Ironman marathon time. So no surprise in my listening, she's racing as a pro triathlete now. And if Kim's name sounds familiar to you, it may be because you saw her highlight on MTV's made uh, television show where she helped coach a young man through his first triathlon. And if all that stuff isn't enough, Kim's also, uh, while doing all this stuff, is rapidly building a nationally recognized triathlon business, Fuel Your Passion, Endurance Coaching, and Nutrition Counseling. She's a certified USAT level one coach and a registered dietitian, so she knows exactly what athletes need to make the jump to the next level. So welcome, Kim. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, maybe you could just give us a little additional background about you and your athletic history. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Chris. I really appreciate it. I think it's going to be fun and we're going to talk about a lot of really cool things today. So I hope your audience enjoys it. And um, so a little bit about me. You mentioned a lot of it. You really talked me up there, and I appreciate it. Um, I think my entire motto uh, in life is a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. You just you don't know where life is going to take you, and you know I think if you can just be open to opportunities and you know work hard and you know listen to the people around you and and things like that, it can really things can just go in a direction that you never imagined possible. So um, that's been like my entire life has been a little bit that way between walking onto the Penn State cross country team. I wasn't recruited at all. So I was a, just a walk-on athlete as a sophomore and ended up graduating from, from there four years later, traveling all over the country. And that started my trajectory into sports. And then, you know, getting into triathlon, I couldn't swim, period. Uh, I taught myself to swim <laughs> in 2005. And uh, I would highly advise, I have a daughter, and as do you as well, I'm going to put my child in swimming lessons the second that she can go to swimming lessons. Um, but I couldn't swim at all and um, couldn't make it across the pool at, at all at, at, in 2005. And then did my first triathlon and fell in love. And, you know, here I am, you know, 10, 12 years later, you know, as a, as a professional athlete. So, you know, I just hope your listeners know that anything is truly possible if you put your mind to it. And uh, it's been a great progression. I, I can't imagine, you know, where things are going to go from here. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, thank you. It's true. I mean, it's really, it's really incredible, you know, that you can, you know, go from being able to like not swim to racing professionally. I mean, it is unbelievable, but that's, that's true of all of us, right? We're all capable <laughs> of big changes. And, yep. you know, I know you've uh, talked a couple of times about in your life when you made some of those big changes, big improvements, like, you know, um, getting onto the team at Penn State. And then also, you know, in 2007, when you really started <laughs> to get serious about triathlon. So, you know, I know that every runner listening to this knows that if you want to change your performance, you have to make big changes in the way that you train and also in the way that you fuel. It's not just about 
running harder. It's not just about buying new shoes or a new garment or something, right? You have to, you have to change several aspects of your life if you want to really improve those. And so, it's it sounds like one of the initial steps when the athlete is your initial nutrition assessment to determine their food habits, their current sort of health status and nutritional status, and um, and their energy demands, because obviously you have to get the building blocks to create the speed machine, right? And mm-hmm. um, performance gains, you can really only get them a few ways, right? You can improve your technique, like better running form or a more aero cycling position or actually learning how to swim. Um, you can put in more effort, like training harder, or you can rest better, birth it, you know, in terms of um, sleeping more and also appropriately timing rest, or you can optimize your nutrition to make sure that when you do work hard and you do the tissue damage that you need to do in training to get stronger, that your body can actually incorporate all those nutrients that you eat and turn them into muscle, right? Mm-hmm. So if an athlete, let's say a long-term runner, decides that she wants to step up her performance and then qualify for Boston or something like that, how do you get them started? What does that initial nutrition assessment really look like? Uh, that's a great question, and I, I just wanted to add to your performance gains. You know, one other way you can make these two work on your mental game, and I know you are highly in tune with this as well. And I was thinking about that this morning when I saw you know your list of questions and was going over them. You know, it's amazing how much my mental game has changed from the beginning. Some key aspects were still there, but you know, just continually working on it, continually. Um, you know, reading books and, you know, monitoring my thoughts, monitoring my self-talk, you know, all that kind of stuff is, I don't care what kind of athlete you are, back of the pack or winning races, you can always work on your mental game. And and so that's another great way to make performance um, improvements too. But nutrition assessment. So let's talk about that. So what are some of the first things that, you know, someone would want to look at um, for that particular area? Well, with my clients, uh, if if they haven't done a recent biochemical assessment, so looking at um, some of the variables that we can get from, you know, a doctor like you prescribing uh, either a CBC, so just a complete blood count is always important, um, and then also the iron variables that we want to check. So we definitely take a look at things like hematocrit, hemoglobin, um, we would look at ferritin to get a more long-term picture mm-hmm. of what what's going on with iron status. Um, total iron binding capacity is also a good one uh, to check that out as well. And so, you know, those kind of things are, are important just to make sure that somebody's starting in a great place because we actually break down red blood cells by pounding on the ground, which is, people don't know this, but um, it's called hemolysis. So you actually, when your foot hits the ground, you're breaking blood cells all over your body. And so you do actually need to make sure that your, you know, iron is, is key for carrying oxygen. So we don't have enough iron. We don't have enough oxygen, as I'm sure you, you know, of course, and then, you know, have talked to your listeners about as well. So I always check iron, um, especially for women as well, because of course, you know, as we menstruate every month, we're losing some of that key iron. So um, checking out iron, uh, checking out calcium, checking out vitamin D status, you know, for athletes. So I'll, I'll try to get kind of a picture of what's going on right when we start as a baseline. And then that way we can also track if something goes wrong within the season. Oh boy, you know, all of a sudden we're, you know, someone complains about a little bit of shin pain or something like that, then we want to make sure that they don't get a stress fracture. So key, key elements for that are obviously calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, and vitamin D. With those four, we've got to have in line or else, you know, you're, you can be headed that direction. So biochemical. Um, anthropometric, which means just body composition. So if we can, if we have access to the ability to check that out, 
um, either via skin calipers, you know, where someone's kind of pinching areas yeah. all over you, or um, the, the gold standard is the bod pod, which some people have access to at like universities and things like that. So I'll send them in for a bod pod assessment because usually people are interested in, in running faster. Actually, one pound extra of body fat that you're carrying around is about six seconds per mile slower. So if you can lose that one now, there's a point of diminishing returns. You don't want to get too thin either. So you know that as well. So um, so we'll check that out. And then, of course, I do a three-day diet analysis on them. So I check out three days, usually two weekdays and one weekend day to see what are you eating and how does it, what's the interplay with your, um, with your training, your lifestyle, your sleep, you know, all of those things. How does, how does nutrition set up within that day? It's not just about the food you eat. It's about the timing of when you eat that food and whether it makes sense for your training in terms of putting in the right nutrients before, during, and after. So, and also, you know, does it make sense for your whole, your health really, your, you know, recovery, like you said. So can we improve the recovery after workouts? Can we improve the amount of protein someone's getting throughout the day so that they're able to, to maintain the muscle mass that they're breaking down when they go out and pound around. So, um, so yeah, so I kind of go through those three main areas of nutrition and, you know, a lot of people just want, oh, well, just give me a, a diet to follow. I'm not going to do that. Right. And the reason is because it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit your lifestyle. It has to be specific. You're going to follow that for three days and then you're going to quit because it's not going to work for you. So yeah, that's not, you news, know? right? Like, I mean, diets, just changing massive changes in diets don't last for the mm -hmm. overwhelming majority of people, right? I mean, that's right. That's been proven. Yeah. I mean, that's not news. That's been going on for a hundred years. So, yeah. um, you know, it has that's to be right. directed, right? And you have to have a, a goal, just like with your training. Mm -hmm. I mean, so when I talk to athletes about this stuff, I talk about it in terms of the sort of specificity of what they do with everything else when they train. Like when when you run. Right. I mean, it's pretty standard. Most training plans have kind of like a base phase, you know, and then they have, you know, a build phase and then speed work and all these different elements that are added at particular times, not just randomly, to achieve mm -hmm. a goal. And it's true of the runs during the week. Like most training plans include some kind of long run, some kind of tempo and some kind of speed um, workouts during the week. And they have different components, right? They're like they're little pieces of this whole puzzle that fit together to build fitness in a very specific way. Now, nutrition is obviously, really, it works that way. I mean, you can't mm -hmm. just eat carbohydrates in the morning and protein at night, you know. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't do it. It doesn't make sense. So it's important to get the fuel in when you need it. And, you know, I think you talked about that a bit. But, you know, and like you just said, I mean, about recovery, you have to really maximize your recovery if you want the maximum gains. And, right. you know, when I do my um, workouts, like I, I drink a very specific recovery smoothie after every run and every bike ride. And when I started doing that, I actually noticed a big jump in the speed of my recovery. And obviously for me, that was low hanging fruit, you know, making sure that I was getting high quality nutrients in the sort of refueling session within minutes of finishing these hard workouts was really an easy thing to add to my routine. So it wasn't like a massive change in my diet. It wasn't like switching from like a, a southern diet to a gluten-free mm -hmm. diet or something you know and um but it was really simple but it also like gave me the nutrients right when i finished those workouts so that i could refuel as quickly as possible so you know what do you recommend for immediate recovery fueling after workouts do you think it's important to pay attention to the amount of protein or antioxidants like what is it that you really recommend i mean that's just a big generalization but what do you recommend yeah. to runners you know to make sure that they aren't really missing anything 
Well, the first thing is planning. <laughs> so you have to, like, like you said, you have this smoothie. So obviously you've got your ingredients in your fridge. You know, you know what you're going to have. Um, or, or you're, you're taking it with you somewhere, you've already made it pre-made and maybe it's, you know, sitting in a refrigerator somewhere or something like that. So I love the, the smoothie idea. I think it's fantastic for so many reasons. One, quality carbohydrates. You're probably getting them. I, I'm going to ask you what's in this smoothie in a minute. So get your, make sure you get, <laughs> get ready on that. Cause I want to know. Um, so, you know, I'm guessing that there's, you know, some fruit in there probably. So some easily digesting carbohydrates that get the blood sugar, up quick after a workout and replenish those carbohydrates because that's just so key. So yeah. I love to see a ratio of about four to one in terms of grams of carbohydrate to amount of protein. So that may, might be something like 75 grams of carbs to about 15 grams of protein. Mm -hmm. Not people don't have to get that exact. But if you are checking your, you know, supplement that you're, you know, doing something like a, a recovery pre-made drink, you do want to make sure it has some carbs in there. This is not the time to go low carb. This is actually the time to make sure that you're replenishing what you just used in the workout, which is primarily carbs. And then at least 15 grams of protein, probably not more than about 25. You don't, basically the studies have found that anything over about 25 on the very upper end of 30 grams isn't really used um, in maximizing synthesis of muscle. So it's, it's basically, there's a, a point of, you know, maximizing synthesis. And after that, it's basically going, your body's going, I didn't need this much protein. You're giving me too much. I'm going to go ahead and store this as, you know, extra calories, mm -hmm. you know, around your midsection or wherever right. it needs to go if, if it's not being used, you know, in that way. So, um, so in that 15 to 25 gram range is perfect for protein. And, you know, something like a smoothie, great. Use some whey protein, which is the fastest, you know, in terms of um, absorption and maximizing that synthesis. So, Add a scoop of, you know, 20 grams of whey protein to a smoothie with some, like you said, fruit or we've got antioxidants in there. You could put in um, a little bit of vegetables, maybe some spinach or something like that. And then you can do this with other foods, too. I just I try to recommend whole foods, if at all possible, because you're getting phytochemicals that the nutrient, the supplement companies cannot make them. They are literally something that can only be in nature. And uh, so whether it's, you know, Greek yogurt and, you know, an English muffin with, some peanut butter on it or if it's a bowl of cereal and a side of you know um, cottage cheese you know what you need is some some protein and some carbohydrates yeah. and carbohydrates are coming from fruits vegetables a little bit from low-fat dairy and you want it to be rapidly absorbing so while fiber is awesome extra fiber is awesome other times of the day this is the time to keep the fiber relatively low and the, the fat relatively reasonably low, but get get those carbohydrates and protein up and the fast digesting carbohydrates. So you're more refined kind of carbohydrates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I do. And um, I mean, what's in it, I guess, is um, yeah. let me think about this. So I've got um, uh, yogurt, um, mm -hmm. uh, hemp protein, a little bit of whey protein, nice. um, kale, spinach. Uh, banana, cucumber, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, mango, papaya, pineapple. Oh my uh, gosh! Wow, this is black, crazy. Yeah, black or what is it, dark cherry juice mm -hmm. and, and blueberry juice and uh, and ground flaxseed. So wow, you're covering your bases. You even got some omega three there at the end. Absolutely, yeah, which is another great one. That's because I'm not a nutritionist, right? So I have patients ask me all the time, and for full disclosure, I literally. I tell patients, say, I have, they'll ask me, like, what's most important? I'm just like, I have no idea. I'm not a nutritionist. <laughs> I don't really know. I just know that, like, the chances are really good 
that with that mix, <laughs> I have it covered, you know? Yes, you do. So. You absolutely do. You're getting tons of vitamin C in there, which is great because our immune systems tend to be compromised because we're working out all the time. So we want to get tons of vitamin C, lots of antioxidants. You've got, you know, some a little bit of fiber in there, but you've got great protein sources. And, and like I said, the um, the flaxseed is, is omega-3. You're not going to probably get quite the same conversion as you get when you take fish oil or you eat fish, but you're getting, you know, some some decent omega-3 from um, from flaxseed as well. Yeah, so. I, just, I haven't yet been able to stomach uh, salmon in my smoothie. You know, yeah, but, yeah, uh, we're not recommending that today. Yeah, no, don't not, worry about eat so salmon other times. Yeah, <laughs> I do, but you know, but Good. I set up and I um like if I go someplace where if I'm going to go to the track and do mile repeats, I mm -hmm. um I make it right before I leave and okay. I keep it there at the track and I literally drink it as I'm doing my cool down. Perfect. You know? So mm -hmm. uh, if I drive to some place to go for a ride, like if I drive across the Golden Gate Bridge to Marin and I'm going to do a ride, I do the same thing. I make it, I take it with me, and as soon as I get in my truck, you know, after I put my bike away, I drink it driving back. Um, yep. So I always have it in right away. I don't, you know, drive to Marin and finish my ride and stop and get coffee, and then an hour later when I'm finally at home make the smoothie. I think I missed the right. window at that point, you know. Right, um, right. So, you know, I think exactly. it's really, it's really important, you know, to make sure that you get these things. But again, this was like one of the initial things that I did that seemed to make one of the biggest improvements in my performance. And mm -hmm. um, it's a small thing. And that was actually super easy to add was to, you know, say, okay, well, I'm just gonna do this one thing. And I didn't change any other thing in my diet at the time. Of course, I made lots of incremental changes. But just like the whole mental game thing that you talked about, as soon as you see improvements, it's very easy to start doing more work to get more improvements. You know, exactly. Um, so it's very exactly. motivating to see an improvement. It is, and this is just like you said, one small thing. Chocolate milk—they've done a big push on you know on this whole um, post-workout window, yep. and you know they've done they've done a good job, but and rightfully so. It's a great option. So, and the nice thing is, you can actually get shelf-stable chocolate milk in little tetra packs. You know that you can keep in your car. I actually travel around with those. Oh. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to name any brand names, but you know, with organic chocolate milk in, in my car at all times so that I can't, I try to make it so I can't fail. I have right. almonds in my car at all times and I have chocolate milk in my car at all times so that, you know, instead of driving through anywhere, if I am famished and I am just, you know, I have to have something now, then, you know, I have an option that's right there in the car and it's, you know, I can always stop and get a glass of ice somewhere or, you know, get, get some something cold to put it in if I really want something cold but to just make it foolproof make your post-workout um, nutrition foolproof think about it ahead of time plan accordingly um, just don't let that to chance just like you said you know you don't you don't go an hour or two and just oh it'll just work out it won't work out we're too busy so make a plan and stick to it and once you get in the routine it's it's honestly it feels like it's not even any work at all because once the routine is there and you've done it a couple times then you're going okay, now I have it. This is this is just how it works. I get done with the workout and I do this immediately afterward. Yeah. I actually drink my post-recovery workout in the shower a lot of times when uh -huh. I'm cutting. When I'm the, I have one of those cups that has like a, a top on it and a right. straw, you know, it's all plastic and I end up drinking it in there because I'm trying to do two things at once and so I'll have a little bit of smoothie, wash my hair, That's set it down, funny. have a little smoothie. A little strange, but you know what? It works for me. So, right. um, so yeah, make it work for you, whatever it is. Well, the routines are important, right? So, I mean, and it's, it's fascinating because it's like some people, you know, have these elements. So you have like the actual training part that people think about in terms of going for a run, going for a bike ride, whatever. And mm -hmm. that is all highly scheduled, right? Yep. So, I mean, my wife and I, you know, do the same thing. And, and 
you know, I know for sure, like she likes to ride earlier than me. I don't really care what time I ride. It doesn't matter to me. So she rides early in the morning on Saturday and she runs earlier than me on Sunday every time, you know? So it's like, it's, Mm -hmm. we don't even have to talk about it. We know that she's going to do that. And then when she gets back, I'm going to go. And, um, and that, and yet, you know, people do this, they plan everything out. They know for sure that they're going to do like their track workout on Tuesday evening with their running club or whatever. You know, they have all you know, specific long run, specific long bike ride, all that. And they would never in a million years say, well, I don't know. I'm going to ride. I'm going to do a long ride sometime. I'll just see when I have time this week. Because you're not going right. to find four hours. No. You know, no. <laughs> it's not going to just show up where you're sitting around watching TV going, oh, yeah, I could go ride four hours right now. Right. Never. And so it confuses me, though, why athletes who are training for months on end and put so much planning into that part of their race preparation will in most cases or many cases just completely do nutrition on the fly right you know like absolutely you said, they're not setting themselves up for success they're like i do house calls so i drive around and see athletes all day and so if i don't have almonds or cashews or something in my car um i am at some point going to be tempted to buy something and eat something that i have no business eating that's not mm-hmm. really going to be helpful to my goals and so I have to plan ahead for that, you know? Yep. Um, one of the times, of course, when that starts to seem to go sideways is the off season and particularly the holiday season, you know? Um, you know, so this, it's, you know, I've read all kinds of things. I mean, there are lots of athletes that just immediately go into training right after Hawaii, you know? Right. Um, some people do take a serious off season. Some people are still like, you know, eating Thanksgiving dinner with their heart rate monitor on. I mean, <laughs> you know, but, so, I don't, I mean, there's this whole range. I mean, some athletes recoil from holiday desserts as if they're recoiling from a hot flame. Others think, what does it matter? It's the off season. I should be able to do what I want once a year, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, around the holiday season, you know, Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving and all this stuff, like, what recommendations do you think can really help runners enjoy the holiday, holiday times without, like, totally sabotaging the nutrition plan and their overall fitness? What, what do you tell people this time of year? This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You'll have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's gonna be on time. Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. 
Like, what recommendations do you think can really help runners enjoy the holiday times without, like, totally sabotaging the nutrition plan and their overall fitness? What, what do you tell people this time of year? Well, that is a great question. Everybody's talking about it. And, and, and come January 1st, I will have about, you know, 10 emails in my inbox saying, hey, I'm ready to start working on my nutrition. Um, you know, I'm up 25 pounds. I hope that's okay. You know, I'm like, oh boy, we have a lot of work to do. So my, my first recommendation is, you know, know how, about how many hours you train during the year. Have some idea of, okay, if, if I trained 1,000 hours, I'm going to need, you know, that's me as a pro triathlete. 1,000 hours is about where I end up. I'm going to need, you know, four to six weeks of downtime where I'm not training as hard to let my body recover, um, to go ahead and put on, you know, some weight, but not let it get completely out of control. So have a plan for how long your off season is going to be, uh, and then stick with that and know that, you know, you can do some other things. You can stay active other ways. Maybe you go for a hike, maybe you, you know, do something you wouldn't normally do, go to yoga or something like that. Um, stay active, but don't necessarily do your same, your same sport, you know, over and over again, like you do during the year, happen to stick to that schedule. But, also, don't let that weight get completely out of control. So mm -hmm. have a range. You know, say I usually say to my athletes, hey, gain five and the men gain eight pounds, you know, something like that. That's okay. That's an, a reasonable range for the off season. Mm -hmm. And don't feel bad about it because we've got time to be able to work on that during the season and, you know, early parts of the season, especially during the base phase. That will come off. And we don't really want to be at race weight until it's literally – basically within two weeks of our a race of the season because it's it's usually a weight that's not in a body composition that's not sustainable for people they we don't want them to be at that that amount of body composition because though there's more susceptible to infection and all kinds of other things so you know the, the weight actually in the beginning of the season does you good my coach actually is pretty um, adamant that I am, you know, five, six pounds above where I want to race, you know, that a race when we start, because I'm pounding around with that extra weight that gives me more durability in terms of my musculature and my bones. So that when I start to actually get down towards those lower weights, my bones and my muscles are really strong and really able to take a pounding because I pounded around for that first two months of the year or three months of the year with that weight on. So, um, so know that first. And then secondly, um, you know, have a plan for your, just like we have a plan for recovery, have a plan for these, these holiday parties and situations like that. Never go into these things hungry. You're <laughs> asking for trouble. You're asking for a lot of trouble. If you go in and you haven't eaten for six hours, watch out. You're, yeah. you know, but yeah, the buffet will be hit by you, you know, multiple times, multiple plates, and it's probably not going to be the things that you want on there. So, you know, make sure you have something, uh, you know, it's pretty simple, but have something an hour before that has protein, mm. fiber, and make sure you get fluid in before you go there. So this is the time to make sure you get in your water and get in, you know, some hydration, make sure you go fully hydrated because, Again, that's when the drinks come. So the holiday, the holiday eggnog and other things like that are easy, you know, to take part in that kind of stuff. But again, have a plan for that as well. I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to have two drinks and that's it for the whole night. This is what I'm going to do right. um, and have water in between, you know, so that you stay hydrated. So have your plan and really try to try to stick to that plan. You know, try not to deviate too much from that. Enjoy a little bit. If you love, you know, Aunt Susie's, um, you know, chocolate cake. By all means, have a piece. Just don't have three pieces. Just have a piece. You know, I like to encourage moderation. If, if people are told something is off limits, all they want to do is eat it. So they're, they're going to constantly think about how, and they're going to feel deprived when they missed out on her cake that only comes around, you know, once a year. Don't miss out. Have 
the cake. Just don't feel bad about it. And have basically after about two or three bites, those sensations in our brain that all these things that light up, you know, from the extra sugar and all the extra fat and all these areas that make us feel like, wow, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. After two or three bites, we don't get any more of that. We only get a certain amount. So after have your two or three bites and then, you know, say, okay, I don't need to eat the whole thing. I'm not getting any real benefit from that anyways. So that's some a few tips for for that kind of stuff, and maybe bring something to the party that you know you can eat and that you like and that has some nutritional benefits. Maybe you bring you're the one that brings the um, the veggie tray, and you make sure that you at least do one you know plateful of veggie tray first, you know, and then you're able to go back and get a few of the things that you love. But you get to those veggies in first. You're going to eat less of the other stuff that you shouldn't be you know maybe partaking in quite as much. It's, again, it's just having a plan, right? It's being prepared yeah. and. Knowing sort of the trouble you're going to get yourself into if you if you're not prepared. Yeah. Oh, and I have one more. I just thought of it. This is one for for the triathletes or the people who do some cross training out there. Um, One of my favorite things. Someone always brings me a huge plate of Christmas cookies, and I love them. And it's amazing. It's an amazing plate. It has all the assortment of all the different things. So what I do is I wait for my ride. And so about 30 minutes before I have a cup, I have a cookie or two. So I've got my, you know, blood sugar really topped off. And then I put three cookies on the, on the handlebars, you know, while I'm training on my trainer. And so I get to have those during the ride. And then I might get to have, you know, maybe half a cookie or something like that afterwards with my protein. So be strategic about it, you know, make sure, use it at the time in which your body's going to um, use it for good, you know, have it at the time when your body's going to use it for good. Like it's going to replenish, um, either glycogen because you've just worked out or get those stores, you know, the, or the blood circulating blood sugar up before you work out, use it then. Cause then your body's going to say, yeah, I'm going to pull from this and, and use it for, you know, your workout versus I'm going to store it because you're having it at 9 PM at night because you're about to go to sleep. So be strategic about when you're going to have that stuff. I love my Christmas cookie workouts. <laughs> They're amazing. <laughs> That's a good tip so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I have them every year. Wow. All right, that's great. So, um, you know, aside from just, you know, dealing with the holidays and really having a plan all that, we talked kind of about recovery and 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 part of that you mentioned, you know, that like if well, for example, when somebody's weight drops too much, that mm-hmm. you're more at risk of injury, you're more at risk of getting sick, you're more at risk of getting um, a stress fracture, you're at risk of lots of things. And stress fractures, you know, are extremely common in endurance athletes. It's probably the most common thing that I see when I go see runners and triathletes. Um, mm-hmm. So we all know that these stress fractures are common. We also know that we need calcium to build strong bones to help prevent stress fractures. But, uh, and you talked about it's not just calcium, you know, it's phosphorus and it's, um, you know, it's protein. You have to have all these things together, right? And magnesium. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but calcium though is like we just think about bone health when people talk about calcium, but it's also really crucial for muscle contraction and in such a way, it's like also really crucial to athletic performance. So, you know, I know there's some research that actually shows that during a 10 week period of intense endurance training, you know, during a build and interval and taper phase and all that, that both urinary and serum, uh, serum levels of uh, calcium can decrease following a high intensity training, um, but then it could be reversed after the, tra- tra- the taper. So have you seen this sort of trend in athletes? And, you know, and if so, like what kind of recommendations do you make to athletes during their high intensity phases to make sure that they're getting enough dietary calcium not just to prevent stress fractures, but also that they're able to actually, you know, have proper muscular performance and, and train at their maximum intensity. 
Yeah, calcium is just so critical. And just like you said, it's it's something that every endurance athlete should think about in terms of their diet and in terms of maybe getting um, some initial you know blood work done to make sure that you're in a good spot. Um, in the northern hemisphere right now in Pennsylvania, we're not getting any sun at all. So a vitamin D becomes so critical because there's only two ways we're going to get that. It's either um, through food. It can be fortified vitamin D or it can be natural vitamin D coming through um, milk and dairy products and things like that. Um, or it's going to be through the sun, through ultraviolet light, activating it in our skin. And I'm getting basically zero right now. So, um, so yeah, make, making sure that you're both consuming calcium, have enough vitamin D as well, just so, so critical. And I haven't actually, you know, seen a lot of athletes that, okay, we're low during the season and then tested them again during the taper per se. And, you know, like the, that study in particular mentioned, but I guarantee you that my athletes are affected. Their calcium sort of balance is affected because of their hormonal profiles mm -hmm. um there's a there's definitely people that are more susceptible women in particular um, are more susceptible we have lower bone mineral density to start with uh just from you know our general build and everything like that and after about 30 you don't get any more bone right. you're actually on the downhill slide of bone mineral density so forever. um yeah what were you gonna say for me forever i mean yeah for forever women, it's just like you're just trying to decrease the the sort of mm -hmm. slope right exactly you're, you're, you're heading downhill with your bone density and there's just no mm -hmm. two ways about that you know so yep. for women it is far more crucial it is absolutely and the good news is we're remodeling more if we're pounding around on the mm -hmm. on the pavement doing these you know do running and and things like that we're remodeling more of that bone all the time but we have to have the building blocks there of the calcium um, and the vitamin D and even some magnesium and phosphorus to help support all that. So what I do is I just make sure that uh, each one of my athletes has some good sources of calcium in their diet. I mean, for women, we're talking probably two or three at least servings per day. Uh, maybe that's a uh, milk on on an oatmeal in the morning or something like that and or milk on cereal after a workout or maybe it is um, Greek yogurt for lunch as a snack. I love Greek yogurt. It's about, got about 15, 18 grams of protein in it. So it's usually perfect for either post-recovery or as a snack. And then maybe something else, maybe a cottage cheese or, um, you know, those string cheeses that are easy to take with you that are you just peel them off and go, you know, really portable, things like that. So uh, you need to be having those kind of sources throughout the day. And then, you know, like I said, making sure you're getting tested for these things and, and knowing what, hey, my vitamin D was, you know, less than 30. I really am going to have to take a supplement in order to get it to where it needs to be. And sometimes I've heard of athletes being put on, I mean, pretty high amounts of vitamin D. I'm not sure what you're usually seeing out there, but I've seen as much as like 40,000 IUs. Yeah. Just, to, just to give you an idea, 400 is the is the RDA for vitamin D, which I think is way too low personally. But right now, that's what it is. So, you know, I'm recommending usually people are take at least, you know, 400 to 600 as a very minimum, but more like 1,000 per day. And then, you know, some people have been so low that they're putting on just ridiculous amounts to get them even to just baseline levels. So, um, so yeah, female athletes for sure, women that are older, above 50, you need to be taking calcium and vitamin D probably as a supplement in addition to your, you know, sources in your diet. Um, those people are a little more susceptible, you know, to stress fractures and things like that. Well, it's, it's so, low risk too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, for men, like it's not a great idea to take lots of iron supplements, right? 
Exactly. Uh, you get iron poisoning, but that doesn't mm-hmm. really happen with vitamin D and calcium. And, and I often mm-hmm. wonder when you see those like really high doses, if it's not that the doctor really doesn't know, they're just like, look, we don't know how much you're going to absorb, but we're going to give you way mm-hmm. more than you need just to make sure right. you're absorbing as much as you can. Um, exactly. But, you know, you can do that with mm-hmm. um, vitamin D and calcium. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just more pills, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not really exactly. So, but it, it is a problem here. So in San Francisco, you know, it, I mean, everybody thinks, well, you can live in sunny California. Well, San Francisco is not very sunny, you know. Um, <laughs> so if you're actually training in San Francisco, you may not get a lot of sun. I mean, I, you know, will do lots of runs in San Francisco, but I also try to do my rides and stuff in areas where it's actually sunny. And fortunately here, I can go someplace where it's sunny most of the time. This time of year, it's pretty just kind of gray all the time. Right. Um, but during the summer and the other months, I mean, I really can pick and choose whether I want, you know, I can ch- pick temperatures. I can go, you know, like to Livermore where it's 100 and always sunny in the summer. Or I can train in San Francisco where it's in the 50s and it's foggy, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, lots of people, I mean, I have lots of doctors who are uh, friends who are internal medicine doctors. And they say that, like, almost everybody they check in San Francisco mm-hmm. is low in vitamin D. Well, there's no wow. sun. It's not surprising, <laughs> you know, if there are people that are really doing mm-hmm. all of their workouts in the city where it's always gray, um, that's not really a big surprise. And so that's that's true in a lot of the U.S. in the wintertime, you know, mm-hmm. um, particular, um, like in the Northeast and stuff, it, it can be really sunless, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and people, I, I mean, people talk about this uh, seasonal affective disorder, you know, oh, I feel, I don't feel like myself in the winter. I think a lot of that is actually tied to their vitamin D status. I think that, you know, it, vitamin D really functions more like a hormone than an actual vitamin. You know, there's been so much research on it as of late. And uh, it's it, people need to have a certain amount or else they are going to, it's going to link to depression and some other things as well. So um, we want to make sure they get the minimum. And, you know, I'm not advocating, obviously, and I know you aren't either, that people go out and never wear sunscreen again. Hey, wear sunscreen. That's important. But know that you need at least 10, 15, 20 minutes of your face, your arms exposed without sunscreen and to be able to at least, you know, get what you need daily. And, you know, if it's going to be a long stretch where you're not going to get that, then it's got to come from both your diet and then possibly also from a supplement, especially if you're you're tested and, and it is low. So I'd encourage people to work with a, a doctor like you that knows about athletes and understands, you know, what we need. And then maybe also work with a dietitian that has, you know, four years of training and understands what these biochemical assessments mean and, you know, can work with you on what to put in your diet to make sure that you're getting enough of, of the, these critical elements. Like you said, it's just, you know, you pick a team of people to support you. You know, this is true for all athletes, right? So, um, you know, whether you know it or not, and I think every athlete has a team of people, even though many of them who are sort of beginners or new runners they don't really think they have a team of people but the truth is they do they have their friends that are runners and they ask them about workouts and basically those people are functioning as their coach mm-hmm. they ask their other runner friends like well what do you eat you know what do you drink after you run or you know do you drink chocolate milk what you know and mm-hmm. so we do have our own support groups as you get more serious about it of course your sort of support group becomes a lot more serious you know you get a professional coach you get a nutritionist who's going to actually mm-hmm. really help you make these big jumps in performance that you can't do on your own and you know that's why we hire experts right like it's just really that simple mm-hmm. it's like if you want to perform better you have to get better information to act on and then you have to act on it and 
if you don't have the right information and you're not following through with your plan, you can't expect to make big changes. Um, it seems right. like a pretty basic idea. So, um, you know, so what is the, I mean, if you have, uh, I know we talked about a lot of different stuff today, but what, what's the one biggest piece of nutritional advice you can offer to runners who are trying to make improvements, you know, they're coming up on the new year and they're really thinking about uh, what to do with their goals. Like what's the, what's the big piece of advice that you would say? Oh, wow. I, I've been thinking about this all morning. And yeah. this is so tough to say that there's one thing um, that I would recommend. And and uh, when I was thinking about it, I just kept coming back to the same thing. And that's, you know, be a student of, of nutrition, just like you were a student of the sport. So, you know, you fell in love with the sport. Um, you fell in love with so many aspects about it, the way it makes you feel, uh, you know, just being outside, communing with nature, you know, all these different things are things that really just get us excited and, and we love to do it. Feel that same way about nutrition because one, it, it's your health we're talking about here and you're never going to have the performance gains you want if you don't have your health on track first. So get get your nutrition, you know, in line with your health goals and, and what you'd like to achieve that way. And then from there, focus on performance. So, you know, some people just want the latest and greatest. Well, I heard beet juice is good. I'm going to start drinking it. <laughs> Don't just focus on beet juice. Focus on what you're doing day in, day out. Have 80% of the time it going right, you know, to support what it is that you're doing in training and, and to have a better life and a healthier life. And then 20% of the time, okay, you know what? There's there's room for other foods too and other things too. But 80% of the time, be doing, you know, the things that you know are going to help you and, um, you know, and, and make it a lifestyle, not a, I'm going to do 30 days worth of uh, this and that, or I'm going to cut out this food group because I heard that, um, you know, carbs aren't good for you. They Carbs make you fat, so I'm cutting that out. You know, go to the right person that can help you interpret this information and the right sources that are credible. Don't just listen to the headlines that are, you know, on the latest, um, you know, website or whatever. So how can people find you? How can athletes reach you? You know, what's the best place for them to find you and learn more about you uh, and how you can help them, um, you know, with their nutrition and um, maximizing their training? Um, how, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to contact you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I have a website, uh, fuelyourpassion.net. So it's .net, dot .net, .com. So fuelyourpassion.net. Um, my that has my blog on there as well. So I write periodically about you know different topics, and I'm I'm actually coming back to training a little bit myself after just having our daughter Emma four months ago. So I'm getting back into things. So I'm going to be writing a lot about um, what that's like to get back in training post baby and um, what those challenges are like and whatnot. And uh, so I have the blog and then also through my website, there's a contact form. So all you have to do is put in your name and your email and send me a message and it comes right to my email and I can get back to you from there if you're interested in either nutrition counseling for um, in you know your regular lifestyle or nutrition counseling based around I want to you know do this race and I need help figuring out what to eat before what to eat during um, the race to maximize my performance you know during activity you know I can help you do that as well and then also coaching so my uh, I have a fellow coach Drew 
and I, we both help athletes, you know, achieve their goals from 5k to Ironman to marathon and everything in between. So, um, so yeah, we can, we can help you, you know, reach those goals for 2017. And so, uh, so yeah, those are the best ways to, to reach me. So great. Now I understand like with particularly for triathletes this January, you're hosting a, uh, a training camp in the Cayman Islands. So can you tell us a little bit uh, about you know, what that's, what that's like and how it's going to really help people get their year off to a great start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's a race we're kind of basing it around called Mercury Man, which is on January 22nd. And it's in the Caymans. And I've done this race for the previous, well, I didn't do it last year because I was pregnant, but I did it the previous two years before that. And it's fabulous. And they have all different distances of triathlons, or you can do a relay. So you can actually just do the running portion. Someone else does the swim, someone else does the bike, and they'll even put you together with a team if you um, don't have anybody else that's going. So they've got a lot of different distances and options. And uh, we're doing a training camp the weekend before. Um, Rachel Joyce, another triathlete, and I are putting together two full days worth of you know, skill-based training. So, you know, pool, uh, checking out your form in the pool and checking out your running form and um, looking at you on the bike. And then also talking about some nutrition aspects and really delving into some of those areas that people need help with on the technical side um, to get them started, you know, the season in a, in a way that makes sense. So they're going to do, you know, two full days the weekend before. And uh, I think the dates on that are the 15th, I think. So it's the Saturday and Sunday before. Um, we're doing that as well. So you can find out more about that um, from my website and blog also. So just send me an email through there. I can send you anything you need as well. All right. Well, Kim, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk about all of your experience and, and you know give uh, people some more direction with nutrition so that they can really maximize their goals. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's been really fun. I hope everybody has a great holiday season. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me, and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.